I'm Avery Smith of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. Hey again, all, and welcome to the first interview episode of 2021. This one's a little different from the usual conversations I bring you because it was conducted via text. My guests' current circumstances made that option easier and safer for them than trying to find a time to chat on the phone. Thus, it isn't their voice that you'll hear in a couple minutes, but my little sister Allie's, who's kindly agreed to sit in as my guest to read the text conversation aloud with me. Even though it's not Rudra's voice you'll hear, this is their story, as told by them. The only alterations I made to our text messages were simple things like fixing typos or removing comments that interrupted the conversation's flow. I am so excited for you to hear Rudra and I talk about their Fijian heritage, about how the god Shiva gave them their name, and about life in Canada as a non-binary, disabled Hindu. But first, let me introduce you to another podcast on the Rock Candy Network. It's called Sacred Tension, and it's got a lot in common with Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, since it also features conversations between individuals of varying religious and ideological experiences. Hi, my name is Stephen Long, and I host a show here on Rock Candy called Sacred Tension. It's about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. If you find yourself uncomfortable in your faith, or if you find yourself caught between modern science and ancient religion, or if you're curious about the journeys of others who are sorting out faith and doubt, Sacred Tension is a place where nothing is off limits. You will find conversations with pastors, cult experts, spiritual leaders, and skeptics, all discussing the ways we navigate the faiths we were given. Find Sacred Tension right here on Rock Candy and wherever you listen to podcasts. If that sounded like your cup of tea, check out Sacred Tension after listening to the following interview between me and Rudra Maharaj with their side of the conversation read by my sister Allie. So my name is Rudra, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Fijian-Canadian and live out near Vancouver. Would you be interested in sharing a little bit about your time at university since I saw you graduated recently? Such as what is your field of study and why you chose it or any community you formed there? So I studied history, and the reason I picked it is because my family is part of the indentured Indian diaspora, and I never knew much of my family's history and was always fascinated by history because I don't even know my own history in many ways. I didn't form much of a community with other history majors, mainly because my department is extremely white and abled. I did form some bonds with other disabled students at my university during my last year there, though. So, were you able to find out more about your family's history? 
And would you want to share a little about what it means to you to learn it? I unfortunately haven't been able to find much because I'm not able to go back and look for the information. My ancestors were forced by the British to move from India to Fiji during the late 1800s to 1910s to work on British sugar plantations. To me, learning this history means that I can have a better understanding of who I am and my place in this world, especially since none of my family members who were part of this system ever talked about it much and just wanted to forget about it. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask you how or when your family eventually moved from Fiji to Canada? So my grandpa was the first one in my family to move to Canada. Nobody has any idea why, and he refused to say why he made this choice when he was alive. All I know is that he moved here in the 1970s and became a cabbie. That, and he hated living in Calgary because it was too cold for him. My mom went back and married my dad as a young woman and then moved back here with my dad because the quality of life is much better. Like, the language you speak came about as a way of individuals trying to speak to other Indians with whom they perhaps didn't share a common language, but also borrowing words from Fijian and English. A lot of us still use Indian names, watch Bollywood movies and eat Indian food as other examples. Heck, my middle name is from an Indian movie, if you want a more personal example. Ooh, that's neat about your middle name, and how the language you speak came about. Yeah, it's basically a mix of Hindi and some northern Indian languages, with some loan words from Fijian and English. It even has its own language rules, like no plurals, and definite articles that are different from standard Hindi. Ooh, I'm going to have to look more into this later. I love linguistics. Moving into religion, if you're ready. As you've discussed before, the Hinduism of the Fijian diaspora is different from that of India. Do you want to talk about what your Hindu beliefs or practices are like? For me, Hinduism is just as much about family and traditions as it is about faith. To me, it's about connecting to the world just as much as it is about the gods. Most Fijians I know who are Hindus tend to have their own beliefs and practices that vary from family to family, and my family is no different. Even the holidays you celebrate can vary. Like, my family doesn't celebrate certain holidays, because that's just not how our family practices it. That's really cool. Do y'all have a public place of worship, and is there an openness there for these different familial beliefs and practices? Also, I would love an example of a belief or practice that is unique to your family, especially if there are any that you particularly cherish. My family personally doesn't go to temple at all, except maybe for a wedding or a funeral. We've always just worshipped at home because that's just how we've always practiced. There's definitely room for different family practices, like my dad does puja for three hours every day and I tend to do other things, like try to do my duties as a way to practice my faith. I'm not sure about something unique to my family, but one thing that we do is that when something good happens to you, you're supposed to either donate money or do some sort of good or charitable deed as a way of ensuring that the good that came your way gets passed on to others. Ooh, I love that. Is there anything about Hinduism, either in a broad sense or your own unique form, that you'd like to share with listeners? I know that there are so many misconceptions about Hinduism and what it is and isn't here in the West. I mean, I definitely do not worship cows or monkeys, which is one thing people seem to think a lot. Oh my gosh, ugh. Yeah, that is a crappy misconception. 
Ugh, I know. You wouldn't believe the amount of times I've heard jokes about that. It's more like, I respect cows, because they give me milk, and therefore help feed me. That makes sense. Am I misremembering this, or aren't cows also associated with Krishna? Kinda. He used to hang out with milkmaids as a teenager. Oh, okay. Yes, that is the story I'm remembering from a book that I read a couple years ago. But they're also associated with Shiva, who's my personal god, because his greatest follower is a cow named Nundi. Oh, okay. I would love to hear more about how Shiva came to be your personal god, if you're willing. Sure. The original middle name that my mom gave me was a name that meant Shiva, and I've just always felt a connection to him, even when I was young. My own family is very homophobic and transphobic, but learning the stories about Shiva that are very queer helped me accept myself more. He's the one who gave me my name, as it happens. Oh, that's really cool. Do you want to share how he gave it to you? The short story is that I prayed for a long time for him to give me my name in exchange for a favor, because one of his priests did some things that were traumatic to me on a spiritual level. I'm glad he did that for you. I was going to ask what a relationship with the God looks like for you, because I don't want to just assume it's the same as a Christian relationship to our God, and I think that answers in part. Shiva does have an active relationship to you, right? It depends on how you view your relationship with God, I suppose. I don't think that Christianity has a relationship with God that's similar to bhakti, but that's how I would term my relationship with Shiva. Different Christians have different ways, of course. Some evangelicals have this very individualistic, Jesus-is-my-boyfriend type thing going on, and many sort of see God as like a wishing well that you throw coins into and out comes stuff, I guess. Meanwhile, my relationship to God is more like, I worship you and love you while knowing that I cannot fully understand you, and also I know that you don't mind me wrestling with you and questioning. Also, I'm not familiar with bhakti. I'm sorry. I'll go Google it real quick, unless you would rather explain it. The rough version would be devotion or love for a god or set of spiritual ideas. Okay, gotcha. Google's quick definition also adds it's to a god by whose grace salvation may be attained by all, regardless of sex, caste, or class. Would you agree with that? I would say so. But I also personally believe that moksha is something that's a personal endeavor that you have to work towards rather than something a deity can just give you. I felt like the wording in the Google definition felt kind of Christianized. Agreed. Since I think salvation has a very Christian feel in the West? That's what I was thinking. I didn't want to assume, but yeah, I bet salvation is a word that means something very different to different persons of faith who hear it. Yeah, it's not a term I would use personally in reference to my faith and how I practice it. I do want to ask you a bit about what it's like living in a very Christian-dominant culture as a Hindu, if you want to talk about that. But first, if you want to share more about the meaningfulness of your name, I would love to hear more about that. The last name I use is the only ancestral last name that my family knows of. The only thing I know about the man who was the original Maharaj is his name and the years he was indentured, so 1910 to 1915. Oh, wow. Yeah. Plus, my family's last name is basically the Fijian version of Smith or Jones, so why not pick something more interesting, eh? 
Oh my gosh, I feel that. My family name is Smith, and whenever I finally get around to changing my legal first name, I'm also going to pick a better last name. I also googled Rudra. Tell me if that's obnoxious that I keep googling things. But I see that Rudra is the form of Shiva that's the roaring tempest. And also that Rudra was both male and female. I'm guessing that might be meaningful to you from a non-binary perspective. Oh, it's definitely a very masculine name. Like, it can be neutral, but it's almost entirely used for boys, which I'm not mad about since I think it suits me. Oh, whoops. That's what I get for trying to rely on Google for accurate information on Hinduism. I'll do better research later. Rudra is known to be fierce and destructive, but also capable of great kindness and healing. Ooh. And I'm not sure what that says about me, but I'm not going to argue with a literal god who tells me that's my name, you know? Oh, totally. I know multiple stories of people from various religions being named by their god. It is such a powerful thing. Do you want to say anything else about Shiva from a queer perspective or otherwise? A lot of my self-acceptance as a queer and non-binary person had a lot to do with realizing how much Shiva and the stories about him are very queer. And the stories don't always depict it as a bad thing. That's super cool. And it makes sense if you grew up in a family that showed you that, like, queerness and Hinduism can't go together, to realize that that doesn't have to be the case through actually looking at the stories. Yeah, I think my favorite one is about how Shiva is so enamored with Mohini, so Vishnu as a woman because he needed to seduce some demons, that they had a kid together. (laughs) Oh, dang. Another favorite story is basically him having gay sex with another god and they have a son together. Though, admittedly, the story around that is kind of wild. There's a book called The Man Who Was a Woman and Other Queer Tales from Hindu Lore by Devdut Patnayak, where Patnayak talks about how the way that there is no one expression of Hinduism, but really more like hundreds or even thousands, and how the gods themselves shift and change and have different manifestations, which makes Hinduism really a very queer religion. Would you agree with that, or have anything else to add to that thought? There's a joke where if there's a billion Hindus, there's a billion and one versions of Hinduism, so he's not wrong. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about how there's so many paths you can take as a Hindu and no one right way of doing things. Yes, for sure. Similar to that topic, have you been able to find other Hindus, online or offline, who share some of your understandings of Hinduism as not being incompatible with queerness? A little bit, but I also find it difficult to relate to other Hindus in certain ways, mostly because of cultural differences, since my family is part of the colonial Indian diaspora rather than the more recent Indian diaspora. Mm, that makes sense. You mentioned earlier that it was also hard for you to relate to fellow history majors because of how white and abled the department was. It really does suck how communities and groups that should feel like home or resonant in some way fail to be such a space because of things like that. I'm also disabled, and I'm always interested to hear from other disabled trans persons of faith. How does your disability interact with your gender or your religion? And if you'd rather not discuss disability, that is totally fine, too. Yeah, I was normally the only brown and or disabled student in my classes. Oof. 
I'm white, so of course I won't even pretend to know what that is like. But I was also the only trans, non-binary person, and the only autistic person in any of my seminary classes, and it really sucks. So for a lot of Hindus, disability is seen as a consequence you did for something you did in a previous life. That, or it's because someone put a curse on you, or you got possessed by a demon. True story. My grandma has been convinced for years that my uncle's seizures were caused by demonic possession. Ugh. There are so many Christians who also believe that disability is demonic or or a result of sin. I've always hated that so much. My own family is very much, oh, you're disabled? Bug a god into healing you. Like, bruh, I don't think you can just tell a god what to do, but okay? Oh my gosh, exactly. Also, on the topic of demons, some members of my wife's very conservative Christian family believe I use they pronouns because I'm possessed by a legion of demons. Fun times. LOL, that sounds like my dad's family since they're basically all Hindu nationalists. It is wild how people of very different religions end up believing very similar queerphobic crap. Like, these are evangelical, white, xenophobic Christians who would claim to have nothing in common with a Hindu man, but extremism tends to take on similar forms across religions. Do you know of any Hindus who offer, like, an alternative interpretation of why disability exists or the like? Hmm... Other than my family, not really. Personally, though, I don't think of my disability as some sort of consequence for negative karma or something that causes me suffering or makes me evil in some way. Totally. Do you ascribe more to the social model of disability, where instead of blaming our impairments for most of our problems, we argue that a lot of the issues we face are caused by society's failure to make space for us and accept us? Honestly, I'm not sure. Like, to me, being disabled doesn't mean I'm suffering in any way, but I don't necessarily see myself as disabled, and I'm not treated as disabled all the time by my family whom I spend most of my time around. Like, if I need help with something because of my disability, I'll get it. But otherwise, nobody treats me any differently, even if how I do my role in my family structure is something I've had to adjust in terms of how I do them. I'm really glad you've had that sort of experience. Yeah, I think it helps that my parents grew up in environments where you just kind of restructured things to make sure things still functioned, rather than just throwing people to the wolves. As we wrap up, do you have one last piece of encouragement or advice that you would like to share with other trans persons of faith, or specifically trans Hindus? Oh, hmm. I think the only thing I would say is that your faith and what it means to you is whatever you make of it. Any sense of rejection from other Hindus is not a reflection of who you are as an individual and how any sort of deity thinks of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions. I really appreciate it. And many thanks to all of you for listening or reading along. I hope you also enjoyed learning from Rudra. If you want to receive even more insight from them, check them out on Twitter at ry underscore Maharaj. Since disability is one of my special interests, I was especially interested to hear Rudra's perspective on disability as a Hindu. 
My own thoughts on intersections between transness and disability will be covered in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. I brought this up in the previous episode, but if you didn't get the chance to listen to that one, my plan for 2021 is to produce one interview episode every month, as well as one episode where I bring various topics to the table. Not always fully focused on transness and spirituality, but also expanding into topics like disability, class, and more. If you got something out of this episode or are looking forward to more quality content this year, please take just a minute to leave a review for Blessed Are the Binary Breakers on iTunes or another podcasting platform. And if it's safe, tell your friends or colleagues about this podcast so that more and more people can get in on the conversation. And if you want to reach out to me with feedback, suggestions, questions, any of that, you can do so at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. I'll talk to y'all again in mid-February. In the meantime, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life. Thank you.